welcome to the very second edition of the Silver and Black Pridecast, featuring myself, Tyler Smith, better known as the Great Raider Domus, and Levi Damien. And today we're recapping the Raiders and Broncos game, which took place on Sunday afternoon, September the 16th, in which the Broncos won 20-19 at home. So, Levi, um, what were your impressions today of the Raiders' offense? Because they didn't have a very good second half or just an outing in general against the Rams. So what do you think they did differently today that gave them a little bit better success? Well, I think for the most part, they just looked a little bit more, a little bit more organized. I mean, you saw against the Rams, basically the only time they were really, really put together was that scripted first drive. And then they, they came out in this game and they, they looked really good on the first drive as well, even though they didn't finish it out for a touchdown. But then it didn't end there. You know, it kind of, it, it continued and you didn't, uh, and really the, for the most part, there were the biggest difference was Derek Carr's composure. He, he, um, he panicked in the pocket in the game before and this one, he, he seemed to be able to, you know, just run the offense pretty well. He was very, very efficient. He only had like three, uh, three incompletions. He threw for over 90% of his passes. I mean, granted, you want to look at a lot of it had to do with game plan. They weren't having him drop back and take any too many deep shots. They wanted him to get the get the ball off quickly so that he didn't face a lot of a pr- lot of pressure. But if that's the deep, the, is that the if that's the offense you're running, and he ran it efficiently, I mean, there's not really much more than you can ask from him for that. And I think the 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 second thing that was really is just getting the receivers more involved. Last last week, as we know, it was it was all Jared Cook. I mean, and the big subject was the fact that that he didn't get the ball to Mari Cooper hardly at all. And this uh, this week, he they completely flipped that on his head. He saw ten targets, caught every single one of them for 116 yards. I mean, he was very involved in the offense when he wasn't hardly involved at all before. And you can't really say that it necessarily was a matter of the defense taking him away because the Broncos have pretty good corners too. It was just a different, uh, I think they made it an effort to make sure that they got him the ball. And I, he did a really good job of getting open. I think he did a pretty decent job of getting over, getting open against the Rams as well. He just, they just didn't find him in those games. So uh, I think that that was really big to see the wide receivers more involved. The, the Jordy Nelson had a, had a, you know, at least one long completion and uh, Seth Roberts had his big 20-yard touchdown and everything. So he had the top three receivers getting uh, seeing a lot of passes, and that was a and that was a big deal. I also think the like the last thing that I, I would say that really stood out to me was their the Raiders' offense's first drive in the third quarter because it came on the heels of the Broncos leading out the second half with the scoring drive and you're thinking, Oh no, here we go again. And, and then the Raiders come out there and march right down the field and, and score a touchdown. And it was the, 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 the touchdown pass from car to Seth Roberts and it being his first touchdown pass of the year. So it was a pretty, I think it was a really big, a really big, um, big drive. And a lot of things in that, that game. Uh, from Derek Carr's perspective, were really positive. Yeah, I agree. The one thing that really encouraged me more than more than anything else, really, was the fact that I saw Carr on a number of occasions stand there in the middle of the pocket, guys closing in on him from every direction, from behind, left, right, and front, and he just stood there. 
and he stood tall, delivered a confident pass. It went exactly where he wanted it to go. He wasn't out there running around seeing ghosts. It completely flipped the script from the Rams game because the Rams game, he was out there running for his life from nothing. And this game, there actually was pressure coming at him and he didn't look phased at all. And he was there. He was confident. It looked like he knew what he was doing. Uh, and he really did. He had, he went like 29 for 33 for like a 90.6 completion percentage, which I believe is the most completions ever for a player who's thrown 33 or more passes. So he's got a new record to his name today. And I, I was honestly pretty proud to see that he did that. Well, I think it was the completion percentage that was, that was the highest ever for somebody with 33 passes. But the, but yeah, I mean that, I think that the numbers, they sound really good, but I think if you want to look at the flip side of the, of how many completions he had is the fact that he had 288 yards, which means he averaged less than 10 yards per completion, which that's not, that's not great. You expect if you're going to complete nearly 30 passes that you're going to have no problem getting over 300 yards. But what you were saying about the, his pocket presence, I think what I saw, what we saw last week is he got sacked by Michael Brockers near the end of the third quarter. And after that, he completely melted down. He was he was all um, happy feet, do making those weird passes and stuff like that. After that is when the offense couldn't score again. They uh, and the 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 Rams went like the rest of the game twenty to nothing from the end of the third quarter to the end of the game. And this one he got sacked by Von Miller pretty early on. He actually got sacked a couple of times. One of them was wiped out by a penalty. But after those sacks, nothing changed. He's still. As you as you mentioned, he's still the same. He was still the same in the pocket, same quarterback as he was before that. It didn't make him like it didn't freak him out. So who knows? Maybe last week it was just he needed to get that first sack out of the way. It scared him. He righted himself through the week, and now he's you know now he'll be better off the rest of the season. So uh, we, that uh, that's certainly possible. Okay, on the flip side of the field, um, what did you see from the Raiders' defense that either encouraged you or concerned you? How do you think it went on the defensive side of the ball today? Well, again, it was another one of those uh, first half versus second half type situations. They looked fantastic in the first half, shutting them out. We talked about last week holding the Rams to 10 points. Well, they shut out the Broncos in the first half and had their first interception, Sean Melvin. That was a fantastic um, interception. He just kind of swooped over there and picked it off what looked like it was a, practically a sure touchdown. Um, he picked it off right there at the goal line. And, uh, you know, that's obviously something last year we didn't see until the 11th game of the season. So getting it, getting that interception so early on in the season is always a welcome sight. So, I mean, you can't really say much for what the defense did in the second half. Uh, a lot of people want to say, you know, they were gassed and stuff like that. I would have, I would have buy that. I would have bought that. Um, in the in last week, this week, you know, maybe with the temperature being what it was and everybody was kind of, um, but you know, both teams are going through that. There's no, really no excuse. The, the offense was, was, uh, keeping the ball long enough to give the, in most cases, to give the defense time to, to rest, uh, specifically late. That late, uh, late in the game, that uh, last drive the offense had, where they ate about it was three or four minutes off the clock, and before giving it back to the Broncos, and then the defense just gave up 
that that last play and missed a couple tackles to uh, give up the game-winning field goal. So the second half was very different. Is is kind of the same story last week. They got to be able to close out games. Obviously, we know that that a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't have their closer anymore. Um, we all know that that's what Khalil Mack's job was. He came in to close it, and he just wasn't there. And the result was the same as last week. They had a sack early on in the, in the game in the first half, and then nothing. And they couldn't get any pass rush at all through the second half. And you can't go through games like this. You can't go through games without any pass rush whatsoever. All that, you know, in a game like this, it ends with a one-point difference. And on a last-second field goal, it only takes – one or two plays, one or you know, one sack here and there to to stall a drive and and upend things to change the entire outcome, and you just didn't see that. Uh, about the conditioning issue, I mean, as far as the Raiders being gassed at the end of the game, do you think that's something they can work on as far as their physical conditioning, or was it just a product of playing in Denver, or was it something that the that the Broncos did specifically with their game scheme to try to wear the Raiders out? What's your thoughts on that? I don't know if it was necessarily a um, conditioning thing. I just say that some people were saying that they were gassed. I don't necessarily think I believe that. I think uh, that, you know, whatever is issues the teams were having, it was issues that both teams were facing. I don't, um, the, uh, the thin air thing isn't going to necessarily affect one team different than the other. Um, I did some research when they went to play in Mexico City last year about the effects of thin air on the body and and the fact that it actually doesn't start affecting you until for like a couple of days after you've been in that environment so so your two courses of and then you don't you don't actually acclimate it acclimate to it for a couple of weeks so if you want to play in thin area in, in a thin air stadium somewhere you either have to a go there at the last minute which is what the raiders did like they always do you just go there on the saturday before and your your body is still functioning on the levels of oxygen that it did before it left you won't start feeling the thin air effects until till later or you go to that place and stay there for two weeks so that you can acclimate to it so in either either way the their bodies were were fine for the thin air um, not to the to the effect that that it was really, I don't think it was affecting them too much. Um, not any more than not any more than the Broncos. It was just the miserable temperatures and whatnot. I don't think it's a conditioning thing per se. What was your take on the Raiders special teams today? Uh, they they did miss an extra point, which did turn out to be the difference in the game. And we also had Jory Nelson returning punts. Uh, do you think there's an issue there with, with the punt returners? I mean, we're, we're missing our starting punt returner today. Uh, so what's your take on the special team situation? Well, I mean, the uh, it was a little odd having Jordy Nelson back there returning punts. I expected it to be Jalen Richard, which is what it was last year. And he, I saw him back there on kick returns at some point. But, uh, but you know, you it's, it's a little strange when you – when Dwayne Harris is your starting kick returner and punt returner, and he can't go, and your backup is supposed to be Nick Nelson, and then you don't even activate him for the game, uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why? Why you would do that? <laughs> why? Why you wouldn't activate? I, I I almost assumed you know Dwayne 
Harris can't go. It's going to be Nick Nelson. That's what it says on the depth chart. That's what you expect it to be. If he's not going, if he's the last corner on the roster, then that's what he'll be doing. Is he'll be uh, he'll be returning kicks and punts or one or the other. Not thirty-three-year-old Jordy Nelson back there um, being not really getting any, not not really being a factor in the return game. And then as far as the punting is concerned, uh, Johnny Townsend had a couple of couple of pretty bad punts that didn't do the Raiders any favors. He had one that traveled like forty yards and set the that and they had, they started at like the thirty or thirty-five yard line. And then one and that one at the end was really bad, where it was. 49-yard punt to a touchback. So that's a 29-yard net um, on a punt that they – it's like the they needed to pin the Broncos back as far as they could on that final drive to give them as far as they – you know, as possible that they needed to drive before they needed to try to kick the uh, game-winning field goal. And if you, you kick a t- – you punt a touchback to give them the ball at the 20, you're just – you're doing them all kinds of favors there. And they really bit him. You can't have a 29-yard net punt at the end of the game like that. His 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 whole reason for being here is because he's supposed to be creative. He's supposed to be a, a great directional punter, be able to place it where he wants. He, so he doesn't have the big leg that Marquette King had when he was with the Raiders and still does, obviously. But so he may, he's supposed to make up for it with his with just his leg talent in general. And he didn't. Uh, he didn't do that. He was. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty bad when you're when you're missing your the 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 big legged punter and he's on the opposite sideline. So what's uh, what's your take on Nick Nelson? Because I felt like he was one of the Raiders' more impressive defenders during the preseason, and yet he's been inactive for the first two weeks of the regular season. Is something going on there that we should know about? Would you have any insight on that? Uh, no, I mean, I, I I just think it's a matter of they have X amount of roster spots on the active roster. They have X, en- X number of corners. They probably like some of the other guys to do other things on special teams. You saw, you know, Dominic rogers camardi has been playing special teams, and he's been doing a pretty damn good job of it. So it's just a, it's a numbers game is what it is, uh, as far as I can tell. And uh, they, they, wanted to, they wanted to have those receivers – Active. That that was a little bit of a that that's what I found to be a little strange. When you talk about a numbers game, which, like I said, um, I think it is, and yet Brandon LaFell, who I don't I don't recall seeing play a snap in the game. If he did, he's he didn't uh, have any catches as far as I could tell, and yet he's active for the game. Why would he be active and Nick Nelson be inactive? The guy who can actually return the Turn the punts. I have to look at the. Uh, I have to look at the you know snap counts tomorrow to see what they what they used Brennan Fell for, if anything. But uh, that was that's a mysterious. That's a very strange decision to to have him active and not Nick Nelson in the return game situation. So where do you where do you think the Raiders go from here? I mean, the, do you think there's any like major changes that they should make schematically, or is this this zero two start just a matter of them playing? the Rams were really, really good and also playing a tough game at Denver. Do you, do you think there's anything they have to do differently to have any success from here on out? I don't know that they can do anything differently because right now they're working within the constraints of what they have on the field, the talent they have. I mean, they, 
you have Derek Carr doing these quick passes because the fact that you have a rookie at left tackle and you have a career left tackle at right tackle going against an elite pass rushing team and you want him to be confident in the pocket. You don't want him to get destroyed on the pass rush. So you dink and dunk and you, and you, you know, quick slants and shallow crosses and stuff like that and passes behind a line of scrimmage. You, you do all that stuff to, to, in order to get him to do what he needs to do. So, I mean, when you go against other teams, you know, the, the game plan will be a little different, but that's not a matter of like, that's not a matter of the team doing something different as a philosophy. It's just like, well, this is a different opponent. We have different matchups. So we're going to game plan a little bit different for that. I don't think they're going to, um, I don't think they're going to play the Dolphins the same way next week that they played the Broncos this week because the Dolphins don't have the pass rushers that Broncos have. So perhaps next week you might, you'll, you'll see a little bit more five and seven step drops and, and, uh, a little more deep passing than you you've seen in these first couple of games, and uh, and you would have to assume that the more um, Derek Hart gets comfortable in John Gruden's scheme, the more things will open up for him in that re- in that regard. All right. Well, I think we've adequately covered the Broncos game. Uh, we'll be back uh, later on this week to preview the uh, Miami Dolphins game, which should be in Miami. That should be an early game on Sunday. Pretty sure. Um, so we're going to sign out for now. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you for the next one. Thanks and bye-bye. Hello, you are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.